0: everybody welcome to a jam-packed episode of you have to watch this podcast i'm alan
1: i'm ryan and i'm devin
0: and today as our what was supposed to be tenant time tie uh, tenant time in there we go you know i <laughs> i mess it up but i didn't i meant to do that our tenant tie-in uh for the the christopher nolan film tenant that was supposed to come out in july and then in august and that and now who knows uh <laughs> Sometime by the year 2030, I hope it's released. Um, but yeah, so today we're continuing our triple features, and this is my turn for a triple feature. And my theme was time travel. Um, I'm a big fan of this, of time ch- travel as a device, uh, as a plot device. That's why I really liked Endgame. I love Back to the Future. Um, and I ha- asked the guys to pick out a time travel movie that they wanted to talk about. And I picked out one as well. Now, before we get started, is the movie that you guys chose for today your favorite time travel movie? And if not, what is your favorite time travel movie?
2: Man, that's a good question. So the movie that I picked, I picked a movie called The Final Countdown, which obviously we're going to talk about. It is not my favorite time travel movie. I like what it does, and I think that it poses a very interesting question. And I wanted to talk about that because I like talking about that with somebody, but it's not my favorite. My favorite is Back to the Future 2 um, okay. because it starts dealing with the parallel timelines and you get like Marty looking at Marty from the first. I don't know. It's so cool. I love it. That's my favorite. OK,
0: Ryan, how about you?
1: Uh, well, Sphere is not necessarily my favorite, but for kind of the same reason as Devin, like I picked it for different reasons. Um, I'm not entirely sure to Be completely honest. Um, It's a tough question. It it is because it's like time travel for me. It's like, oh, time travels in this movie. That's cool. And it's nothing I really think about after that. Um, So, I mean, the back to the future was the one I've seen the most since I was a kid. I mean, that was my favorite movie at one point when I was like in high school. So I'll go with that.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, my, my choice was Somewhere in Time, and it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but it stuck with me, and we'll talk about why when we get into it, but I'm going to say Back to the Future is probably what got me onto the, the uh, time travel train. If you the, the time uh, train
2: if you will the yeah. time
0: train i like that <laughs> um good
2: a good back uh, to the future it, three reference
0: <laughs> yeah they're just they're just falling out of me today i don't know really <laughs> why um
2: so hold on did you guys yeah. on this topic did you see they're coming out the 35th anniversary box set for back to the future because it's 35 years since that movie was made which you
0: they do that every five years and it's ridiculous i'm gonna like, buy it I've, again
2: it sells that's, i'm not
0: buying it again it's because
2: of me that's why they're doing it i'll
0: buy it again i they know like i bought the 30th on back to the future day i don't need another copy of it
2: but this one comes with a a, a model hovering hoverboard i need it <laughs> i'm not over it i, I still need I've it i've got
0: the newspaper from back to the future you, too i don't need any other memorabilia
2: you do i'm so jealous of that newspaper
0: yeah
2: you know um, what no
1: I will take Back to the Future back, because I just realized something. My favorite time travel movie is Terminator.
0: Okay. The original one. The first Terminator.
1: And the rest just spin off of that, and they're all part of the same thing. But the first Terminator is my favorite time travel
0: movie. When you say Terminator, I assume you meant the first one or the second one. I don't assume you mean, like, Terminator Genesis
1: Or three. Um, (laughs) Or any of those.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, um, so... So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get into this So we're going to go in chronological order And I'm not getting date specific Because Devin and I's movie came out in the same year So uh, we're going to just start off with Somewhere in Time Richard Collier is about to begin an incredible journey Into another realm, another lifetime In search of the love he could never find in this one
2: That's Elise McKenna Starred in a play in the hotel theater.
0: When was this play done? 1912.
2: Dr. Finney, is time travel possible?
0: That is a question.
2: Arthur? Arthur? You're the only one who can help me. Uh, 12! I was there. I was there.
0: Is it you? Uh, This is a 1980 film starring christopher reeve jane seymour and christopher Plummer. uh this is about a playwright who uh, let me just read the log line here a chicago playwright uses self-hypnosis to travel back in time and meet the actress whose vintage portraits portrait hangs in the grand hotel so a little bit of backstory on why i like this movie um Devin, do you remember in high school when I went on my Superman kick? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm still on that. <laughs> um, I really like Christopher Reeve. I like his Superman. I like his Clark Kent. I liked him as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was devastated when I found out he passed away. Uh, I had read I I own both of his autobiographies that were that he wrote post accident. Oh, wow. And like I I'm not a big reader, but those like there are moments in that that are just like will stick with me like like, just the, everything he went through and, like, the moment where uh, his college roommate came to visit him after his accident and made him laugh for the first time. Do you guys know who his college roommate was? I do. Chance? No, what, I don't. Right? Robin Williams. Really? Yeah. Juilliard? He came, Juilliard, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool.
1: Okay. I did not know that he went
0: to Juilliard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's what got me into this, like just Christopher Reeve, like wanting to see him in something outside of the Superman franchise. Um, So I saw this and probably probably when I was still in high school or in college. I I know I definitely saw it again in college, but this movie just like it's such a different way of going about time travel with a self-hypnosis. And it's based on a book by Richard Matheson. Who has written some other things that caught my eye that have been made into uh, movies? He um, he wrote "I Am Legend," like the original story. Wow! Um, "What Dreams May Come." Cool. A bunch of twi- a bunch of Twilight Zone, amazing story. Um, this is a
2: decently heavy hitter. Then I didn't realize that.
0: So, yeah, so a lot of sci-fi stuff, which makes me really want to get into uh, reading more of his things but he also wrote jaws three um <laughs> yeah. that's actually that's actually like that's actually like next on my hbo max watch list um <laughs> that's really cool though but yeah so that's what got like christopher Reeves was the reason i got into this movie and then i was like this is different from anything i've ever seen before because at the time i was really only watching like high school Comedies like Will Ferrell and yeah. John C. Riley punching each other in the balls. I mean, so this when, is like, something <laughs> different. Yeah, it's <laughs> when like Anchorman came
2: out. Like it's all those kinds of movies. Yeah.
0: So this was like the first film. I was like, okay, like I really started paying attention to like the way it was shot and the way they used the music and just the performances because there are moments in here that like I think rewatching this, I think what really stuck with me is some of the moments of the performances in this. Um. So I just real quick what did you guys think of somewhere in time
2: i mean i really liked it i it was it was like what you said it was a, a unique way to kind of go about time travel uh that i honestly had never seen done before um i think i've seen the way that ryan's movie handles it and the way that my movie handles it. So we all pick different time travel methods uh, i've seen like our methods done like almost to death i've never seen self-hypnosis induced time travel and i liked i liked what he did with it I think I was bad by going into it knowing that it was a time travel movie because it made, and we'll get into this, it made the first half of the movie, it made me feel uncomfortable for the first half of the movie. And then I was cool with it and then it was fine. Um, But I did like it. It was an interesting movie. And like even Romana, who was like in the room with me watching it, who was like, yeah, I don't really want to watch this movie. Like she was into it by the end of it, which I thought was cool.
0: Okay. Ryan, what did you think?
2: Christopher Reeve was good. (laughs) <laughs> oh no did you
1: not like it okay so g- good acting good story um
2: i'm not a fan of the time travel method in it okay to, um i, mean, I think it, for me it was the novelty like it was something it, new and i thought that was cool it was a novel
1: it was definitely a novelty and And it definitely has its merits. Um, It definitely set up a lot of funny jokes that I really loved. Like when the lady calls him out for wearing a suit that's 10 years old. (laughs) I thought that was really cool. Um, And I really like the fact that he has to keep everything to period on himself. Like he can't Mm -hmm. have anything that's like modern, which to me is a plot hole, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, But I just like willing oneself into time. Like, I think this is one of the reasons why time travel is one of those things where it's like, Oh cool. Time travel. And then that's it. Um, for me. And I think this is kind of why, because time travel already, you kind of have to like suspend disbelief. And to me, it's easier to do that if it's a unnatural or a natural phenomenon, or it's done mechanically. And that's where the whole time travel thing kind of lost me but it was a good movie it was
2: a good romance and i'll give it that well here's the thing that interested me the most i think about the time travel method is the in the beginning he talks to that professor that writes the book and he's like how did you do it how did you time travel and the professor talks about how he was like walking through it was like rome or something or walking through uh, venice some place of antiquity and all of a sudden he just Snaps back to like the past because he's surrounded by things that were I think built in the sixteen hundreds, and then he sees something modern and snaps himself forward and I've heard stuff like that, like I've heard about like you know people that claim time travel is real. I've heard them say that they've done that where like, oh, all of a sudden I was taken back, and everyone around me was wearing period clothes and and I knew that I was back in time for all of five minutes, and then I got pushed back to the future like. I've heard those stories before. So like that made the method seem a little bit plausible. It sounds like he did almost the same quote unquote research that I did, heard the stories and went, I'm expounding on it for the book. Okay.
1: Okay. So I've never heard those stories before. Mm -hmm. Never. So maybe that's where my like hitting the brick wall on this method kind of happened Mm -hmm. because I've had no frame of reference. Now I do have to say that Kristen and I have been watching the missing four one one documentary on the people that just like poof in the woods like nothing's ever found or they're found years later in places that you know like where people found them and her and I are convinced that there's like a castle rock thing going on where people are just walking into random dimensions like in the woods um that cause these disappearances. So, I mean, that kind of like links up like you're walking and you know, it's like you're walking in the Rockies and then all of a sudden you see Davy Crockett and like a, a fur coat and you look down and see your like Timberland boots and then boom, you're back in 2020. I mean, yeah. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, there's that, but uh, the one thing that stood out to me the most, which helped me discover a website online for movies that I'm going to be using for now on, this website that I am shamelessly plugging, that we get no money from, is called Internet Movie Cars Database, where you can look up any car that's in any movie. <laughs> oh, um,
0: oh, God. And, I'm so happy you found that.
2: And He's going
0: to get their URL, like, QR code <laughs> tattooed on his arm if <laughs> he doesn't already. So, so
1: the car that I have to mention this is the uh, Fiat Spider 2000 that he drives at the beginning of this. Um, I just thought it was a cool like little thing for his character because it's a small Italian roadster and it's 1980 in Chicago and everybody else is driving these like late seventies heavy American vehicles. And he's on Lakeshore drive, which is the highway he was on, which people drive absolutely bonkers on that highway. And this tiny little tin can of an Italian sports car with his elbow (laughs) sticking out the side.
0: I mean, Christopher (laughs) Reeve was a big man. Oh, he was,
1: he was, but those cars um, make anybody look big. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right, so I've been doing some research on hypnosis time travel, and for only $29.95, you can buy a DVD that teaches you how to do self-hypnosis.
2: All right, so if anybody wants to donate to our Patreon, uh, we accept $28.95 in cash. I'll uh, go back in time. It'll be me. Just Venmo us some money. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... (laughs)
0: And then we'll come find you in the past and tell you to donate money. Exactly. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. We'll create our own um, paradox.
0: We'll create our own, <gasps> own. <laughs> All right. So what did you guys think of the music in this? Have you heard that song before? The classical theme that ran through this? I don't I'm think I have. I'm to
1: rethink back to it. It, it. it sounded familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on it.
0: I feel like Family Guy did a gag about this once. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Um, it's Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini. Oh. Again, yeah. It's Rachmaninoff. Mom, mom, mom wow. Um, yeah. It's, it's one like I've told, talked before about how I put music on in a, on a playlist to fall asleep. That's one of the songs that's always been on that playlist. Oh, I all. could see that. I like it's that. Um,
1: yeah, I could definitely see that.
0: So when I was watching this this evening, because I was a slacker and waited until the last second. Um, my wife kept making Superman jokes. Oh, no. Like, w- when he first sees the painting in the history room, she's like, why doesn't he just use his x-ray vision? <laughs> and then at one point, she, she w- when she realizes it's about time travel, she's like, so when does he take off and fly around the world to travel back in time? That's right. I forgot he does that. Um. And then I made a very inappropriate joke that I'm not going to say. Oh, not on the podcast. Um, I'll tell you later. Um, so what did you guys think of the hotel? Like, I kind of just want to go there for a weekend.
2: Yeah, this. So the way the hotel was portrayed reminded me a little bit of Grand Budapest where they showed it in two time frames and it showed it like modern and kind of not as great. And then it like, oh, and it's splendor. And I thought that was so cool. Like, I would stay in that, like in the old version of the hotel. I would stay.
0: On this viewing I recognize the guy who played Arthur. Yeah, who is he? I re- he okay, so in Home Alone, Catherine O'Hara is trying to get a plane ticket back to Chicago. Yeah. And he's the man in the couple that she like offers to sell her earrings to.
1: I thought he looked familiar. Day. How do you guys catch these things? I thought he looked familiar. Like I'm like cow. I know I know this guy from somewhere.
0: Yeah, he was he was also I think he was just a Chicago actor because he was also in plane trains and automobiles. So I think he worked with John Hughes a lot. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I caught that. I was just amazed that I was right. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it was the mustache. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest. (laughs) Okay. So, so, um, the hotel though, for me,
1: uh um, I, uh, I'm trying, okay, whatever. The hotel from The Shining, I was trying to look up the name of it because I totally forgot and I didn't want to look like a doofus, but I'm a doofus, the, so it doesn't the matter. Overlook? The Overlook, thank you. Um, I, I kind of wish this was the Overlook Hotel. I kind of wish this was the hotel that they depicted in The Shining for that.
2: Okay. Because, because it was so close stylistically, or...?
1: well just because i feel like because the overlook hotel was supposed to be really popular in like the turn of the millennium and like yeah, like yeah.
0: 1912
1: yeah so it would make sense for this hotel you know for for that era to be like that popular you know so sure. just the way it looked the aesthetics of it um that and I just remember thinking to myself, that'd be a cool tie in, you know, like this time travel thing happens in this hotel that has
0: spirits in it.
2: Especially cool. if you
0: look, read the book, The Shining, like the hotels are very similar in that aspect.
2: Oh,
0: see, I like um, that. And we'll get into some fan theories I have about this movie here in a bit. Do you? Um, yeah, um. So I had something I so, want to bring
2: up if you don't have if, – if I can interject quick. So the one thing it. that this movie does in each one of our movies has a paradox in it, uh, whether it's intentional or no, they have a paradox in it. And the one thing this movie does is my favorite one called The Bootstrap Paradox.
0: I was I have a tab open ready to talk about it.
2: <sighs> it's my favorite thing in the world and that's that, that pocket watch. Where the heck does that pocket watch come from? Because she gives it to him and he gives it back to her. But where did it come from? Like who got it first? Yeah. I love it. I, it's like I spent the whole time like how are they gonna do the pocket watch? And they don't and I mm, I think it's so cool.
0: Brian, do you understand what's going on now?
2: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. do because I was about to say uh-huh. I have no idea
1: what, what what that is because I have two things uh-huh. left to bring up and that has nothing to do with either of them. Oh gotcha. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I I noticed that this time through too. I was like, Oh wait, this is gonna be a bootstrap paradox yeah. because the, the watch does not exist outside of the two of them like yeah outside of the story like he always goes back in time she always gives him the watch so like there it's just in an endless loop right
2: but like nobody buys the watch from anywhere like you don't see them getting it from a store like it doesn't originate anywhere it just those no. two going.
0: yeah um there is a sequel book called the memoirs of elise which I'm going to read after this, after finding out that's a thing. That's so cool. Because um, I'm really because it t- explores like her life after he uh, is forced back to the future. Um, mm. But like I'm just like how she finds him in the future, and um, so Ryan, what were your things you wanted to bring up? Okay, one the plot hole that I wanted to bring up. Okay, what's so your plot hole?
1: Now I I have to admit. I may not have caught something, so if I didn't catch this, you guys have to tell me. You can't have anything modern on your possession or in the room or whatever when you do this, like, meditation time travel thing, right? Okay. And he has a penny on him from 1978, 1979 that, like, brings him back to, like, mm-hmm. the 19, to 1980. So, given that, this suit that he was wearing, all of the clothes he was wearing...
0: When was that material made? I think he bought it at a vintage store. I think it it was an old-timey suit, and I think it was mislabeled as 1912 or 1910s, and it was, like, actually 1900s.
1: Because?
0: Because they say, like, no one's worn that that kind of clothing since a decade ago.
1: Okay, because the way I took it was that he went to a tailor, and they made an old suit for, like, a reenactor. That's how I took that. Okay. And so, in um, that case, like, the material he's wearing wouldn't have been from that long ago?
0: And I think <laughs> the, I think it's more about the style of the clothing. Like, they're not just going to have him time travel naked. Who time travels <laughs> naked? The Terminator. That's never been thing. done.
1: And the one who's chasing him.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the clothing is just to be for era. Like, it's... I think he just does the best he can with that. I don't... I wouldn't really call that a plot hole. Um... But I do want to talk about the penny.
1: I am bad at plot holes and pointing them out. So to me, I'm, I am, I am no, declaring a, that a plot hole because I never point this it, stuff out. I, I never catch point. it. It's a fair
0: point. I think it's a gray area, okay. but more more power to you. Let's talk about yeah. the penny, though. Yeah, go. So yeah. Um, what did you guys think of that reveal? Did you see that coming? I figured
1: he had to do something to get back.
0: Anyone, anyone who's listening, he, he self-hypnosis is back to 1912 and falls in love with Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. And then, (laughs) and then he's putting his suit back on after they make sweet, sweet love. And, (laughs) and he finds a penny from 1979, which sends him back to the pres his present. Um, which she sees. <laughs> Which she sees. Yeah. yeah. And I knew that was coming this time watching it. And it's so heart wrenching just hearing her scream like that.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: it, 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 I think that's why this movie stuck with me. It just gets me in the feels. Cause then he, then he goes full Padme and just dies of sadness. I mean, yeah. kind of.
1: That's another thing I wanted to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, Evidently in the in the novel it's made clear that he has a brain tumor so he was going to like he didn't have long to live anyway. Oh, that would have um, been interesting to put
2: like in the movie.
0: So I, then then the question is like is everything that he sees just a uh, hallucination from the brain tumor? Oh, um, I love that. I like that they left it out. Sad story. Uh, yeah. Story. I left I like that they left it out here. I have a theory on the penny though. Okay. Um my theory and I I I found some people online to back this up, is that Christopher Plummer's character, the uh, the manager, William William Fawcett Robinson, yeah, her her manager is also a time traveler.
2: I'm glad I'm not the only one. I wanted to
1: bring that up. I w- I was thinking that from the beginning, and that's one of the reasons why I'm upset with the ending with this because I seriously thought that he was a time traveler too, and she was supposed to be this like great like actress in like his timeline and then Christopher Reeve shows up from a different timeline you know like a different like dimension or whatever you want to call it and like is trying to like sweep her away but he understands this because he's from a different timeline where this is tried to happen and she has a great career because she doesn't fall for him and then they were going to duke it out to me ma- to see which timeline gets her
0: <laughs> I, I think like, he tries to travel back to, uh, to help her and then my theory is that he places the penny on Christopher Reeve after she kind of turns him down. I like that a lot. But like he places the penny on Christopher Reeve, and that's what sends him back. So, because you, you never see him again. No. And then Christopher Reeve finds the penny like not long after that.
1: So when he plants the penny, does he go back to his time too? Because yes. he saw something modern, like he like sacrificed himself. Yes, I would, I would to say like, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, it what? failed because she because she didn't really do anything after that, from what they explained. Like but she was, did some stuff but she like didn't really like she wasn't
2: what she could have been it would have been his only like shot though, because I mean, she was ready to throw himself full, her herself full bore at Christopher Reeve and just like, you know, you are all I want for life. I'll quit acting. I'll quit everything. Like, let me just make you happy. And I think that he realized that she would do that. And he's like, okay, well, this is the only shot I have now that she's already met him and publicly announced after one day that she loves him. Like, this is the only shot I have to make this right. Yeah. I don't know. I I love that theory. I love that. I wanted my time fight. (laughs) <laughs> i i thought it was good when they called him out to the gazebo i was like he's a time traveler this is gonna happen this is what's gonna and it was more subtle but like that is forever my head canon with this mm-hmm. like now that i know other people have thought this too and i'm not just being weird that's what the movie is for me now from yeah, the same here f- f- from almost the very start when he said like in
1: uh uh, f- almost from the very start after he starts asking questions, like you think he's the one mm-hmm. and you know, like a guy's going to come and like, you know, mess up your life or whatever. Like he, I was like, this guy's got to be a time travel. There's going to be a fight. They're working on two different timelines, the whole, like back to the future thing where, you know, like you can come from one timeline into the past and change it. But if you go back to your, you know, time that you left, it's going to be the same because you didn't change your time. You changed somebody else's timeline. Like yeah. type type deal. That's totally where I thought it was going.
0: All right. Um, Trying to think what else we need
2: to talk about. So I had a question for Ryan because Alan, you've watched this movie before. And I mean, if you can channel back to your high school self, like maybe. <laughs> but um, knowing that this was a time travel movie, did this did this end up like making the first part of this weird for you? No. Okay, because the way that I watched the first part of the movie is she starts by coming back to him and she's like, come back to me. And okay, but then that got me thinking oh, well, does this mean that like he's a time traveler, can just poof go back in time whenever he wants? and he's just like leading this lady on. And then I'm like, no, they're operating on parallel timelines. He's going one way. She's going another. So he's going to this hotel to do all this weird research so he can woo her faster. And he's being really creepy about all of this. And like it made that whole first part really weird for me until I like found out it was more innocent. And he's just like, who is this lady? She's beautiful. And like was obsessed. That made it better. But I started to worry that he was doing this research for like gross reasons. I think you get concerned way too fast. I think I, that's what
0: this is. I think that might be it. <laughs> you, but, every, but everything you just, cons- you just brought up, uh-huh. my wife also brought up watching this. Like she was half paying attention to it. Yeah. She's like, you know, if that wasn't the guy who played Superman, he'd be very creepy.
2: I want to talk about the scene where he follows her because, oh, no. Like when he first goes back in time and he sees her and she's like, oh, I think you're the one, whatever. And then like manager comes and they start walking away. He just like serial killer walks behind them for way too long. And there's a couple of times where they're like, please stop following us. And he's like, okay. And then keeps going. I'm like, Like He almost lost me as a character at that point.
1: That is where the old standard of like, you know, it's like you don't stop trying. You know, if somebody says no, you can ask again and then you can ask again. That's where that whole like, you know, male pursuit like comes from. And for a long time, that was standard. And that's what a lot of women got annoyed with because people who they flat out didn't want to – care or you know want to care about kept on pursuing them even though they said no and you know that was back in the 80s and they made movies where it was supposed to be romantic and endearing and here we have you know the me too movement which shut all that down for good and i'm you know yay about that but still like that's just what you know that is i mean i just yeah i mean my My most negative thing about this whole movie is the fact that I'm upset that it was, like, good ending at the end because he died and then met her when she was young in the white light. Like, I kind of rolled my eyes at that.
0: I had the
2: Titanic ending. I liked it.
0: No, Titanic stole this ending. Titanic stole this ending? Yeah. It had to have. It came out later. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you buy into the Titanic as a time travel movie, too.
1: Hold Have on. You ever heard that theory? No. Oh. The what? The Gatsby is... thing?
0: No, not the Gatsby thing. The no. the Jack Dawson is a time traveler. What? No, no I love You Never heard this. No. Okay. So, real quick, just in summary, yeah, uh, he had he has no money, so he has to win the tickets to the tit- Titanic in a poker game. Okay. He mentions mentions a lake in in Idaho in Idaho or Utah that doesn't. It's a man made lake that didn't exist when the Titanic sailed. What? He mentions a roller coaster on Coney Island that didn't exist. Um, so, like the theory is, he tra- tra- traveled back in time just to save Rose from jumping off the side of the ship. I love that. I love that so much. And considering it's James Cameron who made the movie, makes sense. Yeah.
2: All right. New head cannon. Thank you. Yeah. Ryan does not look
1: thrilled. I've I've seen the Titanic way too many times to care at this point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Oh,
0: uh,
1: see,
2: I watched it like once, and it was like fine. No, like I was a... dragged to see that
1: movie six times in theaters.
0: In I, uh, theaters, I can't watch that movie without crying. So, oh I mean,
1: My it's a mom good, it's a was one movie. of those. My mom was one of those housewives in the 90s when it came out that went to go see it every week, every month, every single week it was in theaters. Aw. No, no uh, (laughs) aw. Like, it's a good movie, and I appreciate it for what it is, and I own it, and I have seen it on my own a few times, but I just don't care about fan theories and headcanon and anything else about that movie.
0: Do do you have the same reaction to My Heart Will Go On that Devin has to kiss from a rose?
1: (laughs) Honestly, no. Oh, okay. There was a girl that I graduated high school with that sang that a few times for like the talent show, and she was really good. And I like the songs never bothered me.
2: That song's one of my like like secret jams. Like if I'm ever completely owning the apartment, I'll put that shit on.
1: It's just that's my. It's that's, any that's Celine my, song
0: with you. Any Celine song. Yeah, yeah especially the one from Deadpool too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my. It, I need to cry, so I'm putting on that song. song. Uh, that's
1: a good one. See, I don't get so. emotional. It's like We know. I, know, I mean, <laughs> stuff that you're supposed to get emotional at, mainly in movies, mm-hmm. I don't get emotional at. Because just like how some people are, like, with my wife. It's not because of the movie.
0: It has nothing to do with the movie that, that's that makes me cry. Was it the music? It's, it. It's it's a long story that I'm not getting into on the podcast, but I'll we'll tell you afterwards when I tell you the inappropriate joke I made about Christopher Reeve. Okay. <laughs> We're
2: making a list. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um I think that's all we need to talk about for somewhere in time. Yeah. So let's go somewhere else in time and Ooh. talk about the final countdown.
2: On December the sixth, nineteen eighty. The nuclear-powered
0: attack aircraft carrier USS Nimitz, with a crew of 5,000 men and a strike force of mighty aircraft, was on a routine mission in the Pacific when it encountered a storm unlike any ever recorded, and disappeared.
1: All of us know that movement through time is possible. Einstein proved it. There are forces in the universe which we are only now just
0: beginning to understand. I mean understand through science, not superstition. There are black holes in space, antimatter, curved space. Things that are as strange to us as electricity would have been to people in the Middle Ages or this ship in World War II. All right. So, well, (laughs)
1: no countdown.
0: (laughs) Okay. first first note about this movie. Yeah. So disappointed. That was not the end credit song or in the movie anywhere. So I don't know this. Well, I mean, and this movie
1: came out in 1980. That song, I don't
2: think, was around at this point. See, that's that's the thing. I didn't know if it was or not. Like, I didn't know if it was, like, before. I didn't know the order, the chronological order. And I know I have a computer and can look it up, but I just wanted to talk I'll, about I'll look it. it up. You, you go ahead and talk. Okay. I'll look it up. So while Somewhere in Time was in theaters, I'm assuming they were out at exactly the same time. Another movie was in theaters. And in his re- review, the first line of Roger Ebert's review of this is, Logic is a dangerous thing to apply to science fiction. (laughs) That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about a movie called The Final Countdown. Uh, It came out in 1980, directed by Don Taylor, and it has uh, stars Kirk Douglas, Martin Sheen and Catherine Ross. Uh, The movie, the logline is a modern aircraft carrier is thrown back in time to 1941 near Hawaii, just hours before the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Now, I remembered watching this movie in high school. I think it was. we had like a. a there was a point where like our grades got frozen or something in high school, and oh, we were
0: no. Oh, I remember. You're talking of your senior year, exactly. Right? The, the year that your class got out of all of your final exams all of them, my class was like, what the hell? That's not fair. It was amazing. All, the teachers were about to strike. And just to be safe, they let you guys slide on all of your finals. We only had to class. show up like, for
2: two hours a day. And we had to be on the attendance for one class and eat lunch. That was all we had to do in a day. So one of the history teachers gave up because he's like, I'm not going to teach you history. You don't, you don't care about American history. You just want to have fun. So he played movies the whole time. And the one I made to show, made sure I showed up for was the one showing the final countdown, which is this movie. And we watched it a half an hour at a time. So it was weird for me to watch it all at once. No, that Um, must've been painful. I, it was painful. (laughs) I remembered not the specifics about the movie, but I remembered more the question that the movie brings up. So based on the plot, the, you know, they, they hop back in time hours before Pearl Harbor comes or Pearl Harbor happens or the attack happens. They are in a nuclear powered submarine with these amazing rocket powered fighter jets. The big moral question of the story is, do they stop Pearl Harbor or not? They have the equipment they have the means. Do they do it? So that's kind of what I remembered most about the movie and what made me think of this one for the, the episode today. So just in general, what did you both think?
0: I wish that the movie spent more time dealing with that question and the repercussions of what that would mean for the future. I think it's an interesting what if scenario, like what would happen if we knocked out per- the Pearl Harbor attack before it even happened? Like when, because th- that's what got us into world war two. So that changes the whole uh, European theater of war as well. So, I wish the movie spent more time dealing with that idea instead of um, here's this senator that we're going to just deal with instead. Like, was the senator a real guy? The senator was research. a real guy. Yeah. OK. Who actually went missing yeah. before Pearl Harbor? OK.
2: I think so. That's a good point, because they do talk about talk about that question. And for me, that's when the movie starts really getting interesting. And maybe this is a product of me seeing it in half an hour increments a couple of days in a row. But I remember distinctly like them being like, do we stop the attacks? And they have that like talk. And then I think class ended and I had like a whole like 24 hours to think about it. And then the rest of the movie happened for me. So I think in my mind, that scene hit bigger and hit harder than it did during the movie. But that's a fair point. Ryan, what did you think?
1: I I liked it, and I feel like them dealing with the senator was part of that conversation because he was supposed to be dead. And that one airman realized that, and he was trying to figure out what to do without bringing anybody else into it because he was like – He's a a fighter jet pilot. His ego is bigger than the ship. So, of course, he's going to think that he's the only one that can handle the situation because Pearl Harbor history is his hobby. So he's trying to figure out what to do in this situation. So I feel like dealing with the senator and his assistant is part of dealing with with the ramifications of getting involved. Because, I mean, to be perfectly honest, if you would have had real, like, A philosophy you know like an actual discussion on the ship like if they would have realized they went back in time when they went back in time Mm -hmm. i really think that there would have been a huge i really think that there would have been a discussion about do we save these people or not yeah instead of just getting involved right away
0: well they decide to attack they decide to try to stop it
1: oh no no no! they do because at that point they didn't like they didn't realize that they went back in time at that point yet those fighter jets are just thinking that you know some yahoos and like world war Two airplanes are attacking a uh, um a classic ship like they don't you know they don't think they're back in 1940 40 41 yet
0: no, I'm talking about the end of the movie. Don't they send the planes off to attack the Japanese fleet and then call them back when the storm shows up?
1: Yeah. Yes. I'm talking about the beginning. When they're... I'm talking
0: about the end. I'm talking about the end. They decide to stop Pearl Harbor from happening.
1: No, no, no. Okay. And then so, the storm
0: shows up, okay. right?
1: Yes. Devin? Yeah, you right. thought you Sorry. I heard you talking about the senator. So I'm talking uh-huh. about the senator no. and everything no, has to do I'm... with the senator.
0: Yeah. Well I'm talking I'm talking about just in general. Like they don't have the conversation as a crew of what do we do in the situation. Even just a conversation between um the history buff and Martin Sheen would have been good. Just like the two of them talking about the repercussions of what would this would all mean. Um But that we don't even have it's like a small moment like you're not taking them to Pearl Harbor, are you? Like that's it. Like mm-hmm. it's just Small moments, and I don't know if maybe I was just distracted by other things going on that I p- missed any of that. But well, here's
1: the. Oh, go ahead. They were. Um. They brought up the fact that he would possibly be president, like on mm-hmm. on yeah. the, the, the the on the next term because he was going to be VP. Um, they bring that up. Um, they bring they, up they as bring like that- little. It's like tiny little lines about how, like, you know, well, what would happen if we got involved? And then somebody else brought up, like, are they like, who are we going to be fighting for? And the captain goes, we'll be fighting for the commander, uh, the commander in chief. And, you know, Martin Sheen goes, Roosevelt. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, there's little tiny parts of it. I mean, having a full-blown discussion about it never really happened um, because I think that maybe you you have a civilian pretty much working for the Department of Defense, and then you have the captain of the ship, and his word goes – And as far as he's concerned, he's there to protect the United States, regardless if they're in 1940, you know, 1980 or the War of 1812. Like he's going to do everything that he can to save the continental United States and Mm -hmm. Hawaii.
2: So, yeah. So here's my here's my take about it, because I like the question that the movie poses, but I don't think that I think that it seems like at first that it cops out of answering that question. Where it's like, what would you do? And like, it it seems like they all kind of get away, kind of almost coincidence free. There's like one exception at the end. Um, But I think it does end up answering the question with itself. And the only reason that I have any kind of frame of reference for answering the question is because Doctor Who, because I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. And there's a couple of times when in Doctor Who canon, there are what they call immovable points in time. These events need to happen and they need to happen in this order. And there's nothing that you can do to stop them from happening this way. Uh, And that gets brought up in a few episodes. And I think that's the point this movie is trying to make. I just don't think it does it well, Uh, because I think the point is that the Pearl Harbor attacks are always supposed to happen no matter what, no matter who's involved. And I think that the only time that they show that is because that senator ends up dead anyway, like he ends up going missing despite their best efforts he ends up going missing anyway. The airplanes go to a, you know go to defend Pearl Harbor in the end, and they end up getting sucked back in time at the last minute because this event has to happen. And I think that ends up being the answer that we get, but I don't... I think it's too subtle, or it's not like... It's, it's too subtle for as bombastic as the rest of the movie was, I think.
1: I think that gave it a hint of realism, though, because you've got people that are on this ship that are not qualified to handle that situation at all. And they're trying to scramble to figure it out. And like I said, the captain of the ship is the last word of what happens. Right. And he decides to get involved, which I think a lot of commanders and captains would do in that situation, given that, you know, time period. Mm -hmm. And I, to me, it added to the realism. I just really hated the fact that they were a, about to do battle and we're in 1980 again it was was such a letdown for such a (laughs) build-up
2: i totally agree so then that brings me to the big question i wanted to ask you guys with this movie if you were in their shoes would you do the same thing if you knew that you had the capability to you know attack pearl harbor shoot hitler in the face before he gets too evil you know reverse any disaster in history or like you know stop some major disaster from happening global event. Would you do that? Or would you just let it let the course of events play out naturally?
0: This is where time travel has always been tricky for me because even if you try to change something and prevent Pearl Harbor from happening, what does that mean for you? Like if you alternate alter history, that can change everything around your life. Like if such and such doesn't happen, you're not born. Like if a certain certain chain of events have led to the point where you traveled back in time, mm-hmm. and if you alter that, are you do you do you ch- like it? It, it kind of comes down to the end game philosophy of of uh, time travel. Are you changing your timeline or changing an alternate timeline? Because, because are you in an alternate reality or are you in your timeline in the past? Like, yeah, it, it's true. Like, I don't think I would change anything. I think as hard as it would be, it would you would have to just let a major event like that play out. You can't just go back and and kill Hitler as much as I might want to. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ryan?
1: I'd roll the dice. If the universe explodes, it explodes. I don't care.
2: <laughs> you would do it.
1: <laughs> ultimate, ultimate test to theory. If something is supposed to happen, mm-hmm. no matter what, and you go back in time to, to specific, like, let's say I have the capability of time traveling back to when Hitler's in the eagle nest and I can appear right in front of his face with a nine millimeter and put a bullet right in his forehead. Mm-hmm. And then be back here in my apartment to like have tea in like five seconds. I would do it for the simple for the simple. Test of seeing if it could actually happen, because if Hitler can't die before he actually does, then something will prevent me from doing that. The gun will misfire. He won't actually be there. Something will go wrong to prevent me from doing it Mm -hmm. if the universe doesn't want it to happen now. If if it's something that can't happen and does and the universe implodes on itself, eh.
0: You had a good run. <laughs>
1: it had a good run. <laughs> um, yeah, I that's mean, my serious answer, though. Like that, like it, I would definitely use that opportunity to test theory.
2: And see, for me, it, the answer to that question is whether I'm looking at it morally or if I'm looking at it like almost scientifically. Like, I feel like if I was I mean, if I was in a situation to stop like a a travesty from happening and I was the only one that knew about this, even if I was time traveling, like I'd feel like morally I have an obligation to stop that from happening. Morally, I'd have to stop, you know, Hitler from doing what Hitler's doing or I'd have to prevent the attack on Pearl Harbor. Like I couldn't sit with myself right if that happened. But I don't know what that would change. And the other thing is like that's also taking into account the fact that any of us even likes the timeline that we're living in right now. And that doing that wouldn't just make this all better.
0: Yeah. There's a college humor sketch that came out about 15 years ago, uh-huh. maybe 10 years ago, uh, about a, a guy our age. who's was like, man, I miss being a kid in the nineties. It was great. Like in a genie shows up, it's like, do you want to go back to the 90s? He's like, yeah, I want it more than anything. He's like, okay, great. Snaps his fingers, takes him back to the 90s. Okay, you're back in the 90s. Now you have to stop a 9-11. Oh, no. (laughs) Because you're the only one who knows it's going to happen. Uh, And the guy's like, wait, what? Yes, all of these lives are in your hands now. It's like. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, uh, so,
1: but I mean. Depending on when you go back in the '90s, you have a lot more than just 9/11 in your hands. You have the Oklahoma, you have the—I mean, any major news event you want to bring up. You've got yeah. the Oklahoma City bombing. You've got uh, Columbine. You've got a bunch of other stuff that happened in the '90s that you could also try to prevent. And the thing is, like, how how do you go around and do that and not become you know, like, a a well-known psychic that people, like, you know, knock on your door at three in the morning
2: asking you to cure their cancer. Like, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) The one thing that I do love about this movie is something that time travel movies do is sometimes, is they they go back in time and there's always someone that's like, oh my god, we're at this time? That's when this historical event happened. And I mean, obviously, Pearl Harbor is a huge event and we all, like, I could have guessed when that happened. But sometimes I feel like I'm a big enough dummy but like, if I were to get sent back in time to, like, I don't know, like.
0: November 5th, 1955.
2: Right. I'd be like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't I don't get the date like this is. And I just like I sit back and watch it happen, even though I should have known that's what happened. Like, I don't remember time periods like. So I just, you know, I, I feel like it's I, I'm happy they had the expert and I'm happy that they canonized the expert. And they made him like he knows everything about this. So it wasn't just someone like. I know everything about history. I got it.
0: And it was random. So let's talk about the expert for a second. Yeah. Because he totally goes Marty McFly and Back to the Future 2 with the Sparse Almanac, right? Oh, yeah. Because he has all this money. Oh, absolutely.
2: Um, I I did want to talk a little bit about some of the things. So I, I found it like fun facts about the movie. The only and funnest fact I had about this movie is that all of the Pearl Harbor footage they had was from the movie Torah Tora, Tora. I'm they not just, surprised. They just straight up reused it. Have you guys seen that movie? Yes. No. No. Is it good? I haven't seen it. It is.
1: Yeah. Uh, as as somebody in middle school and high school who watched like almost every single black and white and older World War Two movie I could get my hands on. Uh-huh. It's decent.
2: It's good. It's worth the hype. How does it compare to the uh, the 2001 Pearl Harbor movie?
1: It's well, on content, I would say it's
0: better. Okay. (laughs) Okay. how is it on acting to explosion ratio? (laughs) (laughs) It's better. It's better.
1: It's better. It's better. I haven't seen it in a while, but. It it's see there 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 is something about movies about World War II that were made when you could walk down the street and knock on any door and possibly walk into a World War II veteran. There's something about movies that were made during that time period about World War II that even though they don't have like the gritty realism as like Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. or Band of Brothers, there's just something about it knowing that. There are guys on the film crew behind the camera who fought in World War II with actors who may have fought in World War II themselves filming World War II movies in the 50s. There was just something about that that I really find intriguing.
2: Well, I mean, even to that point, the people that um, they when they screened Saving Private Ryan, um, they had veterans in the theater and a lot of them had to walk out in the opening part on Omaha Beach because they said it was too realistic and too close to real life. Mm -hmm. which like i mean that even adds another sense of realism i don't think we're gonna get anymore
1: well here um to kind of throw some context about what's going on today and about how that movie was used i'm Mm -hmm. not sure if anybody remembers this but if you look back you'll find it there was a kid who um defaced a bunch of American flags at the Washington Monument uh, back in, like, the early millennium. Like, Mm -hmm. he showed up at night, he cut the strings down, he tore up the flags and stuff. So he defaced a federal monument. Um, Do you want to know what his punishment was? What? (laughs) The judge over the case made him watch Saving Private Ryan to understand why
2: why the memorial is there. I like that. I didn't realize it was that, like... I don't know. I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. That's cool. So I just
1: just wanted to throw that out as for for some context for people who are getting all hypey about stuff that's going on right now. That was the punishment for somebody who defaced a National Monument like 15 years ago.
2: Yeah, it's (laughs) watching a movie. (laughs) I mean, it's legit, though. I mean, all right. So I think the last point I have about this, and it has to do with with just like the. Product, like post-production design i think on this so a lot of this is real like a lot of this was like really i mean except for like the cut scenes of torah 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 like a lot of this movie was people doing these stunts um they had a lot of i think they had 88 NA- real active duty navy crew members working on this movie so like when you watch them land the planes they're landing the planes like they're getting real footage that which i was so cool yeah uh the part that bothered me the opening credits were like somebody had like like microsoft word art for the first time and was just like (laughs) blue we're done Mm -hmm. they're like let's do more more beautiful shots of these airplanes coming in no one gives a shit about the graphics
0: it was so bad i have it repressed (laughs) good um yeah like the the way they shoot the footage in this like you can tell this is a pre-top gun navy movie why like it's it the the shots okay. I've never the seen top For lack of a gun. better term, I I I've seen enough of it to know that they sex up the planes taking off. Like they they add stuff to it. Like Tony Scott, did, like I read it in Val Kilmer's book. Tony Scott like waited for hours for the sun to be right just to get like one shot of the aircraft carrier. Wow! And in here, there's like nope. Just go ahead and roll it. Yeah. He also like, we're
1: just, we're, he also wrote a personal check to the captain to do something.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. We'll talk about we'll talk more about that Top Gun in December, or yeah. whenever Top Gun Maverick comes out.
2: Oh. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, I, I, I
0: yeah. I love it's... Top Gun.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you buy that Transformer yet?
1: No, no, it's not a Transformer. It was just a, an old school like like pilots and plane set. And I no, I
0: there did. there is a Transformer.
1: Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. They also made, it, they made a they Transformer. I've got, you know, you know, I, I swear I saw it,
0: but... a Top Gun transfer. Oh, I'm sure it's fine.
1: I would, I am, I'm pretty sure they did. But yeah, no, you can definitely tell it's pre-Top Gun. Um, the footage that you're talking about mm-hmm. is, like, I seriously thought they just got stock footage from, like, the History Channel whenever they do a, a special on the Navy. Because yeah. it's just planes taking off, planes landing, them moving equipment on the deck, showing the planes going up and down on the elevators. Like, it's real simple stuff that looks cool, especially for the 1980s people going into the movie theater when, like, nuclear-powered aircraft carriers are still kind of a new thing. Right. Especially for that time period. So just seeing them in normal operation is, like, eye open. Is just eye opening for um, a, fourth, uh, a fourth, a fourth, a fourth, a fourth for that time. Yeah. What Alan's saying uh-huh. is, you take okay. So you, let's say you go on an aircraft carrier and you just take video of them doing their job: yeah. planes taking off, planes landing. Now go back to that same aircraft carrier, but your mission is not just to get stock. B-roll footage. Your mission is to make a rock and roll music video to that same stuff. That's <laughs> yeah. Top Gun. That's awesome.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's uh, that's all I, I got. Think, okay, let's move on to Ryan's movie, Sphere from 1998 based on the Michael Crichton novel. So you're saying that you have a fuselage from a spacecraft over a half a mile long that crashed into the ocean 300 years ago and is completely intact. That's right. And the kicker is something's still running inside.
1: It's human. What's in his hand? Well, I don't know.
0: What is it? Smokehouse almonds.
2: It's an American spaceship.
0: In the eight thousand years of recorded history, this is the first. You are now online with an alien intelligence.
1: Its name is Jerry. He's happy. What happens if Jerry gets mad? Okay, so I had no idea this was based off a novel, but I'm going to keep on going anyway. (laughs) Sphere was made in 1998 uh, from director uh, Barry Levinson? Levinson. Levinson, which had made, uh, 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 who was a great director who has made such films as (gasps) um, B-Movie, Rain Man, Uh, The movie Toys, which I recommend to anybody who hasn't seen it. It's an amazing, amazing movie. And I saw it on the filmography, and I wanted to bring it up because it was so random. But now I can't seem to find it on IMD. Oh, as I'm scrolling. Uh, Good Morning Vietnam. So he's made some movies that I really enjoy. B-movie excluding from that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, So... Anyway, it's, I'm just going to read the, was it logline? Tagline? Mm-hmm. Logline. A spaceship is discovered under 300 years worth of coral growth at the bottom of the ocean. So... Uh you've got this uh, ship at the bottom of the ocean that is discovered. It is a spaceship, and the military brings in um, experts uh, and I completely lost the screen, just disappeared. So uh, Dennis Hoffman. Um, Samuel Dustin. L- Dustin Dustin Hoffman.. Yes. Yes. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. and Alan, do you have it up so you can read the
0: rest of them Sharon Stone? Peter Coyote, Mm -hmm. Liev Schreiber, Queen Latifah, Marco Gomez, (laughs) Huey Lewis. (laughs) This cast is stacked,
1: by the way. Okay, so um, the time travel comes into this when they discover that the spaceship that they're going into to try to make first contact with aliens isn't an alien ship. It's their own ship. Now, what I like about this is, one, it's not... The main characters do not time travel, this whole time travel aspect of this movie is specifically for buildup for the story. So it's an aspect of it. It's not the main thing. Um, now when they go in and they realize this, all of this craziness happens because there's this thing that they, that the original crew discovered and brought back. And I have my own theory on that, but I want to hear what you guys think.
0: I think you picked the wrong Liev Schreiber time travel movie.
1: <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew that that was going to be Alan's reaction. Not the Alan Schreiber, not the Schreiber thing, but I knew that he would have something to say
0: along those lines. Here, Here's my problem with this movie. If we weren't doing this for the time travel triple feature, I feel like I would have enjoyed this a lot more. I was expecting a time travel movie. And given there is... An element of time travel, but what the homework assignment was, (laughs) was a time travel movie. This is a time travel
1: movie. Without time travel, this movie does not happen. Flat out. You said time travel, and I yeah. knew, I knew that you two were going to be picking traditional time travel movies where the main characters either go forward or backwards in time, and they have to try to figure out how to get back or whatever. And I wanted to bring something different to the table. Okay,
0: well, well, let, let, let me finish. Let me finish. Um, I was very upset with you for ninety-five percent of this movie. Like, this isn't a time travel movie, but okay. And then it gets to the end where they deal with the whole fact of okay we survived this when we weren't supposed to because we know what's going to happen in the future with this ship what do we do and then there's some the movie loses me at the oh we can just forget like i wasn't a big fan of that um (laughs) let's just forget everything just happened um if, it, if we weren't going into this with the time travel theme, I think I would have had different expectations for it. It's a fine movie. Um, Ryan or Devin, you go ahead and talk for a yeah, minute. Yeah, all right.
2: <laughs> so I had, I had almost the same reaction as, as Alan for a little while until they got to the point where Samuel L. Jackson goes, you know, we're all going to die here. And I'm like, OK, Samuel Jackson, just being a jerk, whatever. And he goes, it's called an unknown event in the future. That means they don't know what happened to it. That means we never make it out of here alive. And I'm like, they got me. Like this at this point, like, I'm now got, like, this is the countdown timer under the metaphorical table uh, at which everybody's eating to use a really, really stinted uh, reference. Like, I know something bad's going to happen. I know it's going to happen spectacularly. I'm now on board, and the reason that I know that is because of time travel. And it helped me. It focused on the part of time travel that I thought is really or that I do think is cool that I mean, my movie touched on a really little bit. I don't think Alan's really touched on it all except for the penny is what happens to something out of time. Like you have something that doesn't fit in that time period. So for my movie, we didn't even talk about him. It's the guy that got left in the past and lived 40 years and then showed up in the future for (laughs) Alan's. It's the penny. I mean, and for Ryan's, it's we have this technologically advanced thing. That's now, you know, in the 90s or early 2000s. was it 2001. 1998. 98 is like the, you know, 90s era. Dustin Hoffman now has to deal with this futuristic thing. And I think that's cool. Like, I, I think that's an interesting take on time travel. And the fact that they use time travel to start that countdown to everybody dying or forgetting or whatever made me like it enough that I was like, OK, well, this is definitely time travel then. Okay. But I was in Alan's boat for a while. Trust me.
0: That's fine. I mean, it, it was definitely I was definitely expecting them to travel back to where the thing showed up because uh, there were like sh- glimpses of like old timey ships in the opening credits, mm-hmm. which was off putting when I'm expecting a, a time travel story. Um, But once Samuel L. Jackson says, you know, we're all supposed to die. I was like, OK, this is this is where Ryan's looking at it. I was like, mm-hmm. OK, let's let's go with this way. Uh, this this train of thought, and I guess I'd, I'm not a big fan of the whole dreaming becomes reality and just kills everyone.
1: <laughs> but in very unique ways, though, you I mean you've got to give it that.
0: It wasn't that unique though, because <laughs> it was just stuff from uh, Ten Thousand Leagues Under the Sea,
1: which just happened to be. I mean, see, to me, so. This is where, like I said before, we started talking about you know the podcast to me, I like it when time like to me time travel is oh cool this is time travel's part of this. this is great, and then it you know carries on. And that's why I don't really have a list of like time travel movies in my head mm-hmm. um and that's one of the reasons why I like this movie so much because in, instead of using time travel as like the main part of the film or, or or like not the main part of the film but but like a huge chunk of the storyline and it's like people going forwards and backwards and messing things up and you know going over this other stuff this is just a like how in Harry Potter Hogwarts is part of the movie it's part of the story it's its own character yeah in sphere time travel is just there it's the Hogwarts of sphere
2: I mean yeah it's it's the countdown timer it's it's the impetus to the event and then it's also what's yeah. what's going to cause bad things to happen like its yeah It is a factor in the movie and it's not the point of the movie. And I did think that was interesting.
1: Yeah. And to me, this movie is half a time travel film, half like a psychological um, like thriller or suspense, because you don't really know where this stuff is coming from. And then it's revealed slowly that, you know, Sam character is so afraid of squids that he can't get past that one page in 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which I find it funny that he says that, yeah, no, I found this book in the bathroom. I guess this is some poor attempt at levity. <laughs> you know, proof. Yeah. Uh, so I like the fact that they reference that it's silly that it's there to begin with. But
0: he just he just really hates Hydra and everything that he.
1: <laughs> there, we there we go. There we go. But I love the idea of the sphere and I love the idea that that was causing everybody's like, you know, like imagination to pretty much come to life. The part that I hate in this movie and is and is a reason why, like, I tend to end this movie before it actually ends, because I absolutely hate the whole. Well, we'll just forget.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, for me, I was more fascinated in everything inside the sphere and nothing going on outside of it. I was more fascinated by, by the, the fact they found this ship from the future, and not really the whole. She tried to kill herself, and you dated her, and well, like it, I, it's showing
1: that none of them were supposed to be down there to begin with. Yeah, and it, it, the 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 core part of this movie to me. Besides the time travel thing. And to me, the time travel brings in the rest of the conversation for everything that happens in this movie. So without the this time travel thing going on, um, you don't get this psychiatrist that writes a BS report because he's getting paid for for the, the, the government for something that he finds to be ridiculous a first contact situation so he just writes down people's names and fields that he just knows off the top of his head for no other reason than that and says that this person's good at mathematics, this person's good at this this person's good at that and I'm good with this so it should be the four of us that go down and do you know like the meet and greet he has no idea that this is actually going to happen let alone in that kind of an environment and what it shows is that the average human, the average person, is not good for something that can make your every wish come true. mm mm-hmm you know your imagination and they get into that in that scene where they're like yeah let's forget about what happened and the giant disco ball goes up into space again for the whole thing to repeat and happen and it, to me this is a and to me this is a circle this continuously repeats over and over and over again and in fact I feel that the sphere is what made them go back in time to begin with because I feel like whenever they found the sphere in space and they never tell you what actual year it is it it could be you know 2 uh, 2042. Mm-hmm. It could be the year 3142. You have no idea because they don't give you those first two numbers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like somebody on that crew wanted to get back home and for some reason thought of like the 1600s. And so that black hole that they found was maybe that's what that person thought of when it came to time travel. So it made a black hole for the ship to go back in time for. And then it's just a circle because then the people who find the thing, forget it, air quotes, forget it. And it flies off into space to be found again, a
2: thousand years later. I mean, the movie gave me, and this might be an inappropriate like point to draw, but or connection to draw, but it gave me 2001 vibes in, in a lot of ways. Like it gave me like, like this fear, could almost be like a stand-in for the monolith i mean the monolith obviously had different reasons for doing what it did and did different things but it was still this like unknown entity that kind of repeated this cycle over and over again and these humans just kind of caught in the middle of what's really of what's going on with it yeah and and i i mean i like that and i think in some ways i think the movie was shot a little bit like 2001 or like oh definitely had like elements of it because there are some scenes in here that are very pretty mm-hmm. like i thought the movie was very i mean I thought it was a very pretty movie i think that the effect I liked the least if I had to pick one was them like going inside the sphere. Like, were they like reflection? Yeah. They're like (laughs) reflection and then imprinted. And then like, I thought that was weird, but I
0: did like, there were some clever parts. The flat Stanley effect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have to say my favorite Dustin Hoffman quote comes from this movie or, you know, just like a line of his and it's when they're looking at it for the first time. Mm hmm. And he goes, "I don't know about you guys, but what bothers me is that it's reflecting everything in the room but us." Mm-hmm. And then he says, "I hate to be the the one scientist not to pick this up, guys."
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that line. <laughs> yeah, I'm- I could tell that um, some of the li- some of the scenes in here were improvised. Like the scene between Dustin Hoffman and Samuel L. Jackson was when he's like, "Yeah, the report was faked." Like I could definitely tell that was improvised, and IMDb just confirmed that. Really, for me. did it
2: have like a looser feel? Like, how did you pick up on it?
0: It, it did. It was just the like. It felt like an actual co- conversation. Yeah, they're both very accentuated actors. Mm-hmm. Like they can both get very into their performances, and that seemed very subtle for the two of them. And it seemed real. Got it. Because, um. Yeah. Because it's just like the two of them. Like, hey, uh, just so you know. <laughs> I made this up. <laughs> and then, as soon as Samuel L. Jackson got uh, sucked into the sphere, I was like, man, can't he make it to the third act of any Michael Crichton movie that he's in in the 90s? Yes.
1: And there are other things about this movie that I really enjoy. And we're touching on all of them just the actors, their performances. And then you've got the cameos with that devin was super excited about so devin you can go ahead and start talking about that so the
2: movie uh peaked two minutes into it uh (laughs) because helicopter pilot who talks to dustin hoffman is huey freaking lewis and it's the best part it's my favorite part of the movie the whole time i was like is it the power of love it's the
0: power of love yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah, so, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I've seen this movie a lot. This is one of the few movies I own digitally Oh wow! on Amazon. Um, and I've seen this a ton of times, and I've never picked up on that until I brought this up, and you looked up the cast, and you're like, Huey Lewis is in this? And I'm thinking to myself, where's Huey Lewis <laughs> in this? And then he said, he's under helicopter pilot. He doesn't have a name. He's just under his helicopter pilot. He, I'm like, oh, that's He's him. in
0: the scene where the, the Sphere auditions for the the school dance (laughs) and he just tells him with a megaphone sorry you're just too darn loud that's
1: see i'm very disappointed that i've never seen the gold sphere show up in any like futurama or the simpsons or family guy or anything and that and that really upsets me because this movie does set itself up to be made fun of heavily it really does it's definitely a late '90s, like you know, suspense thriller slash horror ish film, and it, just, it sets itself it sets itself up to be made fun of,
2: and it just, it, as far as I can tell, never has. Well, I mean, I think it's because it's like I, I, it it hits that line where it's a very competent, very well done movie, but it's not considered a masterpiece. Where, like, it's almost hard to make fun of it because it's still a good movie, but it's not so good you just want to make fun of it, and it's not so bad it makes fun of itself. Ooh, like, yeah. if I were to put the golden sphere on the screen, people that like, yeah, get it would go, oh, that thing! They wouldn't go, oh, that terrible movie! Ooh. Like, they'd just be like, oh, that, and it's, like, it's in that, that like, really interesting middle ground of, like, competent and well shot and very good, but not a masterpiece. Because, I mean, I could definitely see a scene in Family Guy
1: where, like, Peter or somebody's in the kitchen, and then they make one of their silly statements or one of their weird, like, jokes that they did in, like, the first couple seasons. Yeah. And Peter turns around, and there's just the gold ball, and, and his reflection gets sucked into the top, and Peter just falls over, <laughs> passed out on the floor, and then it starts sucking the souls out of everybody else in the house, and they just leaves.
0: I think, I think part of the reason you don't get that pop culture penetration with this is because it was a flop at the box office. Oh, was it really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it had an eighty million dollar budget. Uh, it made fourteen million opening weekend. Oh wow! Its gross U.S. total was thirty-seven million, and yeah, so it didn't even make back half of what it cost. <laughs> We're and I'm looking. I'm looking at the referenced in under IMDb. Um, it was referenced in the death of Superman Lives, a, a documentary about the Tim Burton Superman movie that never happened. Oh, yeah, about a big uh, mentioned as a big flop for Warner Brothers.
2: Oh wow! Like
0: I get, I guess they talk about some movies that flop for them, and this is one of them. And it also like Sam Jackson's talked about like he was working on this when he got cast um, for Star Wars. So hold on. Oh, never mind. Okay. For some yeah, reason. I feel like you were going to say something cuz you just
2: like froze. I went back to I went, like, back, oh, to crap, ri- we I went back to original trilogy and went when was he in Star Wars? And then He was, <laughs> he was a Jawa. He
0: was a Jawa. Of course he was. He, he was, was like, the tall
2: one. He was 10 he at was the, the time. tall one.
0: <laughs> <He> oh tini, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but like so that's
2: the thing is like did these people have the same kind of star power that they do now? Like I mean I mean I figured Dustin I would Hoffman say was like the Hoffman, big draw. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like he was the big draw for the movie, but was
0: Samuel L Jackson, that Popular at that point No I mean I it's 1998 so Sam Jackson Was still kind of n- a new Face because yeah. he was in Pulp Fiction um, Die Hard and then I,
1: I I, okay so Obviously 1998 I'm Going from my point of view As a 13 year old sure Was like a yeah as like a 13 year old and I mean, I knew who he was and I had friends who knew who he was. And I know that, so, I mean, he may, uh, so like, he may not be like, you know, like 2015 Samuel L. Jackson, but Mm -hmm. he was definitely well known. And I think maybe, maybe he wasn't like, like super, superstar status like he is now, which Mm -hmm. is probably one of the reasons why he took the role. I know that Dennis, uh, I know that Dennis was huge because of Rain Man. And there's oh, yeah. a lot of people that still know him from that. Um, I mean, the fact that uh, the fact that uh, Queen Latifah is in this at this point in time, I mean, to me, kind of shows the like the level of actors that we're kind of rolling with with it.
0: My 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 thing is this is a sci-fi movie, and when I look at Dustin Hoffman, I don't pick see him as a sci-fi movie lead. I see him as the dramatic actor who's doing things like all the president's men Um, or no. Yeah. Yeah, I think Um, that's right. And then Tootsie, Rain Man, like the serious dramatic stuff. Um, The the most sci fi I can think of besides this for Dustin Hoffman is Hook. And that's more fantasy. Well, I mean,
2: Um, they try to give him that grounded plot, though. I mean, because all of like the emotional he's the emotional core of the movie. Like without Mm -hmm. him, you don't get the the interpersonal drama almost at all. So, I mean, they they do try to bring that aspect out in him, which I thought was interesting.
1: Which is which I mean, is one of the reasons why I like this movie, because to me, this gets thrown into my own personal category of realistic sci-fi. As in, what if something this ridiculous happened in my timeline, in my world? What if this happened and how would people react to
2: it? And this is how I kind of see that happening yeah i mean that's fair that's i i think the reactions are pretty genuine i think yeah i mean especially if anything like that were to happen i think that most people like i totally understand like a low-level employee just being like oh i'm told to write this uh, this report i'm just gonna put all my friends in it like
1: yeah that makes sense especially when it's a ridiculous it's a crazy thing that they're asking for you to do and if you're already of of the mindset of, well, this is the government. Nobody's ever going to actually read this thing because nobody's going to – like this is going to be filed away somewhere in like the FBI headquarters in the basement, you know, next to the, the clerk's favorite episodes of, of, you know, X-Files.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you.
1: So, so there's that. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, I just wanted to bring something different to the table just because I knew that, like, your guys' movies, like, it dealt with the characters actually time traveling. And I wanted to bring something that was a little bit different or a lot different uh, (laughs) when it came to the whole time travel, like, idea. And that's why I brought this one up because I honestly couldn't think of anything that, like, I grew up with. And this is a movie that I grew up with. So,
0: yeah, I get that. Works for me. Yeah. All right. So I think that does it for this week. So hold on. I did have
2: one overall question then for you guys. Yes. Uh, since is the theme of it is time travel of the three of them, which one do you think did time travel the best? <laughs> Ryan's happy.
1: <laughs> I I knew you were going to ask this. I told Kristen like yeah? two hours ago. I, I, I was meant like, to ask you, this, so. you're
2: like, Devin's going to do it. <laughs> no, I,
1: I, I told her verbatim. I was like, okay, for Alan's movie, Devin's going to think this uh-huh. for Al you know for Devin's movie Alan's going to think this and then for my movie and you know what I was right on all accounts <laughs> I knew exactly how you guys were going to react to mine and to both of yours like I knew Alan how so how he was you going to feel for, about that one
0: for those of you playing at home Ryan has won this week's bingo card
1: um <laughs> <laughs> i feel like this should be a thing i think we should have
0: which to, like, is weird is we didn't we didn't fill in the the free spot of change devin's mind on a movie we
2: didn't and that's like the one
0: thing that always happens i like we didn't these have too much to, though
2: i know yeah.
0: come up with a divisive right. movie next week so which movie did the did time travel the best
2: since i asked the question i'll answer it i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna say mine i think that i like that it did time travel the best because it was a naturally occurring phenomenon and i think i like that method of time travel i think that ryan's is more realistic when it comes to the black hole thing but i like it being kind of a natural phenomenon that happens and i like that the time travel is what ended up posing the moral question and causing the drama in the movie
1: are we gonna go in zoom video order so i'm next since i'm the middle one and
0: it's all different yeah i just ryan you go ahead i did my metaphorical (laughs) mic drop after that so
1: okay um i i'm going to have to go with final countdown okay Just simply because when it comes to having characters going backwards or forwards in time I personally enjoy a natural event happening where they don't expect it to happen
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that's my favorite method of time travel itself so and 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 in your guises like the characters actually time travel so there are more time travel movies than mine is <laughs> I will fully admit that so but I go with final countdown.
0: I'm going to just to say something different. I'm going to go with mine because everything that happens in mine happened. Like yeah. he always travels back in the past. He she always gets the stopwatch. She always gives him the stopwatch. It's it's, it's a loop. Yeah. But it, it's dead set to be that loop. Like there is the paradox there, but he he knows that like the the method of time travel is is wanky, I'll give you that. Um and it doesn't work. I've tried it. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay, I haven't, but uh, I might tonight. You should. Uh, He's gonna show uh, everything in the closet. I <laughs> mean, I've got an, I've got enough toys in here. I can be like, it's nineteen ninety three. I just I I'll just, I'll just hold my my Power Rangers. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm gonna say my movie. Yeah. Uh, just to. Say something different and I I like the fact That everything is set in its ways because even With the final countdown I feel like The um, The way the senator disappears Changes at some point So I don't think it was always that they Take him to that island and he blows up But That's my answer
2: Yeah fair enough all right well cool I like that I just I needed to know what you guys felt about all those things
0: Now here's my overall question Which method do you guys want to Time travel with black hole space, like time storm or hypnosis.
2: Oh, Alan's hypnosis,
0: hundred percent.
1: I, I would rather go hypnosis because here's the problem with black holes. We're still not exactly sure what, I mean, I mean, it did, okay. So it sucks gravity and light and time into itself. I mean, as far as I'm aware modern science, the idea is that you become like a spaghetti string, <laughs> like the size of an atom. So I don't really want to go through that. <laughs> um, The whole storm thing, you don't really know where you're going or when you're going to like what era you're going to be popping out on. So I'd rather do the whole hypnosis thing so that, like, I know exactly where I'm going
2: and I'm prepared for it. (laughs) All right. I think the only downside to the hypnosis thing is I can't eventually buy a Mr. Fusion from my Nissan Leaf because it seems like it only works to travel back in time. Like I can't surround myself with things from the
0: future. You just got to get in a chrome-plated room and just be like, future! Future! <laughs> future! I think that's it. Squidward was showing us the way the whole time. Yes. Um, Squidward is the way. Yes. I think that's the... Uh, if we if you leave this podcast with nothing else, it is that. All right. That's really the point um, we're trying to make here. The whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I think that's all we've got. Yeah. yeah, it is. This is where we. This is where if this was our Tenant tie-in episode, we would talk about how excited we were for Tenant, but um, it's not coming out in the United States anytime soon. So um, Europe, Devin's gonna Devin's gonna travel to Europe and be able to see Tenant before we are probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, so hope you enjoyed our time travel triple feature. So, next week, I believe it is Ryan's turn to have us watch something. Ryan, what do you got for us?
1: Well, I I, I had an idea, but then you guys were saying Squidward, so I might actually change my mind.
2: (gasps) Are you going to do what I think you're going to do?
1: No. Okay, (laughs) darn.
2: Not SpongeBob the movie?
1: Uh, No. Okay, what, what is it? So, I was thinking Jaws. Okay. Um, for for the, the next episode because I know that's something that Devin hasn't seen and we have to get that out of the way because I can't believe you haven't seen <laughs> mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> but then you guys were talking about Squidward and it reminded me of somebody who was referenced as Squidward at one point in a movie and there's a movie I recently saw with the actor who is being called Squidward is in and I really like it and I may have you guys watch it but I'm not sure. What is it? It's called what? The Cured and it's on Hulu I believe.
2: I've seen trailers for that. It's I, I know the premise because I remember the trailers, but I it was one of those movies that like I kept seeing a trailer for and I really wanted to watch and then I never watched.
1: OK, so let's talk it out. So we've got Jaws on yeah. one end. The um, other end, we've got Cured, which the premise of the movie is that, you know, I know Alan doesn't really like the whole zombie thing uh, that much anymore, but it's a premise that as a zombie fan, I have never seen before. And the acting is amazing in it. Um, and, and it's on Hulu, I believe. So we all can watch it without any issues because I, because I mean, I own Jaws. I don't know if Alan owns Jaws, um, or if it's on streaming anywhere. So that's the only thing it's going to be availability. I want to make this It's on HBO. Oh, it's on HBO Jaws. Yeah. Okay. It's
0: at least on HBO max. Uh, I'm just going to say Jaws because they had the 75th anniversary this year. Oh, Did they
2: really? We're yeah. doing Jaws. Okay. Because I own yeah. a shirt and two and a whole like set of socks from Jaws. That I gave you. That Ryan gave me. And I've never yeah. seen this this movie.
1: Okay. So we're going to do Jaws. I'll yes. save the cured for later. But, Good. I'm excited but, for it. Okay. But, but believe cool. me, Alan, it's a completely different way of looking at it. So it's a story that hasn't been told before. I'll put it that way. Okay. So. All right. There's that. But we're going to do Jaws. Uh, I was reading
0: so. the description. I, that just seems a little bit too heavy for what I want to do for this podcast. So. <laughs> At least right now in this, uh, in this climate. So I gotcha. All right. So yeah, next week will be jaws. Cool. So I think I got, I think I got edit points in there where I can just cut out everything we said about the cured. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So make sure to, if you enjoyed the podcast today, make sure to rate and subscribe to us wherever you're listening to us. We're on all major podcasting platforms. And if we're not there, let us know. We will be, uh, Go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us at on Instagram at You Have to Watch This Podcast. Um, you can email us comments or thoughts at you have to watch this podcast at gmail.com. And until next week for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. Roads. where we're going, we don't need roads. Watch out for that gold ball. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what if that happened? It just like flew like <laughs> right into the DeLorean. I'd be so mad.